Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Resiliency and Running Podcast. My name is Liz, and I will be your host. Today, I'm so excited because I'm doing a very long-awaited and requested episode all about running, how I got into running, how I trained for a half marathon and a marathon, and any questions that I got from my Instagram Q&A. So stay tuned. All right. I want to start off by saying that you do not need to be born a runner or absolutely love it to be a runner, if that makes sense. I do think a lot of my love for running now stems from my 10 years of soccer and just playing a lot of sports growing up, but there is definitely a time in my life where I absolutely hated running, I dreaded it, and I even used it as a punishment at one point, so I will be opening up about all of that in this episode today. Before I get into it, I do just want to say that it did take me quite a long time to get to where I am today, and I really had to work on changing my relationship that I had with running. I will talk about this more in detail, but I just want to say that whether or not you are a brand new runner or have run before, I just think it's so important that you make sure that you have the right intentions going into running. I think running is a major mental and physical challenge that can be so rewarding, but only if you allow it to. So I guess I'll start from the beginning. Like I said, I grew up playing a lot of sports and played mostly soccer for about 10 years and this was kind of it kind of stemmed from this one photo of me from when I was about one years old with a soccer ball with my dad and my grandpa and they were both runners so growing up I think just having that around me kind of pushed me to not only continue to play soccer but also just really go on runs more with my dad and that was just kind of a frequent thing that we did. My grandpa who passed away about two years ago now actually had run a few marathons throughout his life and one of them being the Boston Marathon so I think growing up and knowing that and being around that as well. I didn't like grow up knowing that I've always wanted to run a marathon, but I think as of like the past few years, that goal started to become a reality of mine. And even when I say reality, I'm not saying that I ever really thought that it was attainable. I think it was just like this nice goal that I had for the future. But honestly, I can say for quite a while, I was always thinking of myself as just not being able to finish and complete a full marathon. I didn't think that I was capable of it. But the truth is running is such a mental game. And this was actually advice that I had gotten from my previous boss, whom I love still so much. She is such a badass. She's run, I think she said four marathons at this point, and she's a mom. She's got a full-time job. And I think it's just, it just goes to say that literally anyone can run a marathon. It's just a means of mental capacity and being able to train properly. Now, like I said, for a good chunk of my life, I actually did not have the healthiest relationship with running. I've done previous podcast episodes on my eating disorder, but my anorexia was something that really truly damaged my athletic ability. I think one of the most heartbreaking parts about my struggle with my eating disorder was the fact that I was such an athletic kid previous to the eating disorder and I could just run and run for long amounts of time. Soccer games are so long and all you're doing is running the entire time but you really don't even think about it because you're just chasing this ball and you're just trying to score goals but it's so sad because I quite literally damaged my health so much that my doctor had ordered me to not do sports I think for about six months time and it was just a really heartbreaking thing because it was such a big part of me for so long that I so 
suddenly just had to stop. And then even after that, I just quit sports altogether. I think I had mentioned this in my episode about my eating disorder, but essentially I basically got so fed up with the fact that my athletic ability wasn't the same. It also just kind of gave me a whole new appreciation for running and for being able to be active and be athletic. I think I truly started to find my passion for running in college and even then I just want to say that that started out with like two mile runs, three mile runs, and six mile runs like 10ks were the most that I could do. I think a big myth about running that a lot of people come to me now and say is that they can't possibly get into running because they look at how much like I run now and this took like years to build over time. You need to build the stamina, you have to build the mental capacity. And I think the most important thing is really finding the passion and just the appreciation for running first. Like genuinely for my four years of college, I ran, but I didn't run very much. But the thing was, I appreciated running because this was my way of kind of de-stressing and detaching from school and kind of releasing a lot of stress that I kept pent up in myself. I never at that point really considered trying to train for a half marathon or a marathon or even sign up for like a 10k race because to me, running was just something that I liked to do when it was like a hobby of mine. It was like something that I felt like I needed to train for at that point and I think that that's almost like a healthier way of truly getting into running is finding that appreciation first and only treating it as a hobby and treating it as your afternoon treat or something. I think a big part of running for me too is the music aspect of it and this may not be everyone's kind of forte but for me I actually got really into like EDM music and really hardcore house music (laughs) really randomly in college even though I had never attended like a rave of any sort in college, I just really loved how I could run to the beat of these songs and this music. And it just made me feel so alive, I think is the best way to put it. Even if it was like a stormy day in Seattle, just turning on this workout playlist that I had, literally the title was Work It Out. It really just got me in the zone and I think it really pushed me and helped me not only get so much better in my running but also just work through so many things that were going on in my head and just really think them through and just like clear them out. I really think music can be such a proponent in your running ability and just your desire to run because there were definitely days that I am so looking forward to my run because really good music just came out on my release radar on Spotify or something and so find music that you feel really passionately about or that you can really feel amped up about and make a playlist. I've got like so many different playlists on Spotify for different types of runs that I want to do or different moods that I'm in for runs. So I think for me, music was something that really helped me find my passion for running. So then fast forward and after I graduated college, as many of you know from my previous episodes, I moved to London for my master's degree and throughout the first first year or so of my master's degree, I was kind of in the same running routine. And so this is something that I really want to touch on too, is that I got stuck in this routine for, I think, over a year where I was running two-mile runs on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, three-mile runs on Tuesday and Thursday, and then on Saturdays or Sundays, I would run a 10K. And that's fine if you're trying to build up your running, but I think over time, you need to change up your routine just like any other workout to shock your body and help increase your stamina, increase your strength and endurance. And I think I was just 
so stagnant in my running that I wasn't seeing changes and it wasn't really helping my mental health either because it I think running is always something that I have turned to to help me work through anything from like friendship arguments to heartbreak and school you know it's just always something that I've used to relieve stress and so I think for a good year I really struggled to find that in running because I was so stagnant in my running if that makes sense (laughs) um anyways I until about October of last year, I actually ended up meeting someone and this guy that I was seeing actually was quite the runner himself. And so I think he really pushed me to kind of switch up my routine and kind of get out of that stagnancy, which was really nice. And he and kind of my boss were kind of the reason that I ended up training for my first half marathon because I think sometimes it just takes someone to tell you to do it or push you to do it. Like, I don't think I could have given myself that little push, but I think it was nice to have that from other people. And again, remember, before I ran my first half marathon, the most that I'd ever run was a 10K, aka six miles. So I think people tend to get taunted and fixate too much on the mileage. And so you're looking at 13.1 or 26.2 and you think, gosh, there's no way I could ever do that. But it's actually just, again, a massive mental game that you are really just at war with yourself. And the only person that's telling you that you can't do it is yourself. So here's where I'll kind of get into the specifics of how I went about training for a half marathon on my own for the first time and really just had no outside input from anyone else. So I followed a training plan from this site called Runner's World and this was great because they have different running plans for both half marathons, marathons, I think even like 10Ks and 5Ks, whatever your goal is, and you can basically choose one based off of your pace. And so my running pace at the time and still is kind of around nine minutes. And this was really nice because then I was aiming for a sub two hour marathon and it had a whole 10 week training plan that I could follow, which was really great. I think it's also important to note that when you are doing these training plans that you're not just focusing on running. So incorporating workouts like HIIT workouts or strength training workouts is really important to kind of target different muscle areas and really help strengthen your legs especially. It's also important to figure out whether you're more of a treadmill person or an outdoors person with your running and this will definitely affect the different types of running gear and clothing that you buy. I'm finding that in the winter especially in Washington it gets to be so so cold and last winter when I was training for this half marathon in London I was finding I had to really be smart with how I layered and wearing proper clothing to help support your body and kind of keep you warm but not too warm while you were running long distances. The shoes that you choose will also be really important and I strongly advise that if you are training for a half marathon but especially a marathon that you go to like a proper running shop and have someone watch you run on a treadmill, have them analyze how your feet hit the ground so that they can help you find a running shoe that will support you in the best way. This is really important because you can injure yourself so easily in running, but especially in terms of your shoes, your feet are just kind of hitting the fronts and the backs of your shoes all the time. And so to make sure that you are fitted properly and that you have shoes that are actually supporting your knees, your joints and everything is really important. And I know that in my experience of going through different shoes and brands, I've definitely noticed a difference in not only my running, but just the pains that I feel in the different parts of my feet 
feet and my legs and my shins. So I think it's always really important to try and find someone that can help you find the best shoe for you. I know that this was a question that I actually got in the Instagram Q&A that I did. And so at the end of this episode, I'll kind of go into detail with my experiences around different brands and kind of give the best advice that I can. I know that a lot of people might be wondering about like nutrition and kind of the gels and powders that people may consume during their runs. This is something that I kind of want to touch on more when I talk about the marathon training next. And so for my half marathon, I didn't really, I didn't bring any gels or powders with me to the half marathon event. I actually didn't even bring a water bottle, which I think was a mistake. I know that a lot of races tend to have water stations and mine did. So that was a total lifesaver, but I would highly recommend trying to find one of those handheld water bottles that you can kind of just hold while you run, but kind of also attaches around your hand. But in terms of pre-race, I will say that it is important to kind of increase your carbohydrate intake that week of the race. And the night before I did make the typical plate of pasta that everyone usually does before a race. But I think that this is just really important because I know that I really notice a difference in my running depending on my nutrition. And so it's really important to make sure that you are feeding your body properly. And this was a major, major educational point that I had to learn in my recovery process from my eating disorder and how I kind of switched that relationship and mentality around running from a negative to a positive. I think that this is truly where I started to see my running drastically improve is when I improved my relationship with food. And I think that that can always be kind of a continuous struggle and it always links to kind of your body image and how you see yourself and your self-esteem. But I think that once I saw food as a way to fuel myself properly and really be able to run faster and for longer, it really helped me see results in terms of just faster running and longer paces and mileage. A specific thing that I remember from going through my half marathon training plan was just seeing each week these long runs would increase each weekend and I would get so taunted by them and tell myself, oh my gosh, I can't do it. Even though I just ran eight miles, I can't do nine miles. But I think over time, I just saw myself continually hitting those mileages and it just consistently was telling me that this was a total mind game. And I know that I keep going back to that, but it genuinely really just is you that stands in the way of being able to run more and achieve more. So fast forward to the day of my half marathon race. And like I said, I was not well prepared, did not even bring my own water bottle, but I think mentally I just wasn't really there as well. I mean, to be fair, I had signed up for this particular race about a week or two out just because it was a last minute choice and I was kind of still deciding between dates. I mean, to be honest, and I don't think I've ever really shared this out loud, but I really struggled mentally because none of my friends that I had invited actually showed up to the race that day. And like I said, I did not sign up for this race like months in advance like most people probably do, but I really struggled, especially I remember between miles six to eight because my Apple Watch was just blowing up with messages from literally every friend telling me that they were either too hungover, that they had home work, that they had to go walk their dog, and it was just excuse after excuse. And I'm sure that these were all valid reasons, but I think just in hindsight, it was just such a sad experience in the end because no one actually came out to support me. I think that these are definitely two different pieces of advice that I can offer if you are training 
or prepare to sign up for your first like in-person race, even though races are not currently in person at the moment, is to A, do it months in advance and really plan for it, but B, make sure that you have people at the finish line because when I had my parents at the finish line of my marathon, that was an emotional feeling like no other. And the way that my dad and I embraced each other literally in tears was something that I will never forget. And I think that really having a support system at the finish line is something that a lot of runners really do treasure. But not to worry, there were definitely a lot of positives from this race. I did end up running like almost nearly a minute faster than my usual mile. And I literally never stopped the entire time, which is something that is so not normal for me. I normally do stop to walk a little bit every couple of miles, but I think it was just the environment of the race. It was running amongst other runners that really encouraged me and motivated me to keep going. My final time for my half marathon race was two hours, one minute on the dot, and all of my action photos were literally horrid, and I never really shared them publicly, but it was just a really great experience. So now I will kind of talk about the aftermath of that half marathon as well as how it transitioned unintentionally into my marathon training. I will start by saying that I did not go about any sort of a resting period or recovery plan. I think I don't know if a lot of runners experience this, but I, once I had run that first half marathon, which that race was quite literally the first time I ran 13.1 miles, I couldn't find the ability to stop really, if that makes sense. So every weekend after for about a month, I would run a half marathon and I just really enjoyed the long distance running aspect of it. And about two months after that, I actually ended up increasing that mileage each weekend. I remember specifically that there was one weekend that I had hit 13 miles and suddenly I felt like, wait, actually I can run more and I feel like I still have energy. And I ended up lasting about four more miles. And so I hit 17 miles. And then the next weekend I hit 18 miles and I just kept going. And I was like shocked. And a lot of people were like, are you okay? And if I'm honest, I really wasn't. I was actually going through a really tough time with the boy that I was talking about previously actually decided to ghost me and kind of end things in that way. And I think running was a really great way at that time to work through the anger and frustration and sadness of that ending. And so I think running has just always been my go-to in terms of school stress, work stress, and just heartbreaks over stupid boys And so it was a really great way to channel that anger. And in the end, I found out that I was actually very capable of running amazingly long distances. So as we were saying, I was running these incredibly long distances and just kept increasing my mileage. And basically, I got to a point in February of this year that I had hit 25 miles and I just went out and did that on a weekend. And so I think a lot of my friends started to notice and kind of said, well, why don't you you just do a marathon. And my boss was also one of those people that kind of just said, you know, just do it. It's not, it's not anything that you can't do that you're not capable of. Obviously you've proved that. It's just a total mental game at this point. I didn't truly start my marathon training plan until spring of 2020, but this was 
basically due in part to the fact that I had to move countries and kind of readjust, especially with COVID and everything that had just hit in March. And so I also had an injury in February that I was kind of reluctant to tend to, but I think over time I've just really learned how important it is to take time off when you do have an injury because running, like I said, can make you so prone to injury. And I just can't emphasize enough how important rest is when you are injured. It's just a massive part of really listening to your body and making sure that you are taking proper care of it. So like I said, I officially started training for a marathon in spring of 2020. And again, I used a training plan off of the Runner's World website. And this was a 16-week marathon training plan to run a sub four-hour marathon. I will say that even though I've only experienced training for one marathon at this point, I think I would prefer to definitely do it in the summertime. It was really nice to do it this past summer just because the weather tends to be nicer because I'm finding now, like I said, winters in Washington and London can be quite cold and can really be tough when you're doing longer runs and having to stay out for longer amounts of time. So I definitely say, again, go and find a training plan that is suitable for you, suitable for your pace, and is spread out amongst a amount of time that you can actually stick to. I found that the way that this plan really gradually built up and then kind of tapered back down really worked well for me and I think most plans do just work like that. During your training, it's also just a really good time to kind of figure out what works and what doesn't work for you. So in terms of shoes, running gear, and powders and gels that you consume during these long runs, I've already given my two cents about getting your shoes fitted properly. I will say that there is a bit of irony in the way that I went about getting my shoes. So essentially when I went, I told this guy that I was going to run a road marathon. And if you didn't know, there are running shoes that are basically based off of whether you prefer to run on the road or trails, so different sorts of grounds that you can run on. And so I told him that I was going to be running on a road because the marathon that I was previously signed up for was indeed a road. You will have to stick around for what ends up happening. But after shoes, I would definitely say a water or hydration backpack is quite important for a 26-mile run. Most people may look at these hydration backpacks and think that they are a pain to carry on your back while you run, but honestly, you can barely feel it. And it is just really nice to have, especially when you're out and about and you are in between water stations during a race. It's just really nice to have your own water supply. And if you have any powders with you, which I tend to usually have, I will just kind of grab one out of the backpack and literally just chuck it back on my mouth and just drink some water and kind of slosh it around my mouth. Sounds really disgusting, but it gets the job done. I will say that if you are planning to wear a tank top while wearing the hydration backpack during a marathon run, to definitely get yourself some Vaseline or something to help because I got terrible, terrible burns on my back from my hydration backpack. And this just leads me into my next item being Vaseline. And this is kind of the weird taboo thing that people don't really like to talk about, especially girls, I think. But it's the reality that you are running for long amounts of time and your body is rubbing up against all kinds of materials from your sports bra and your running clothes. And so Vaseline will definitely start to become your best friend very quickly when you start marathon training. Next, powders and gels are incredibly important. Like I said before, fueling yourself 
yourself during a run is so important and is vital in continuing in your run. I think that it's really easy to get lethargic and just feel really tired suddenly and feel like a lack of energy. And it's because you are burning insane amounts of calories and your body's been running for long amounts of time. And so use your training period to kind of test out different powders and gels because your stomach and your body may react differently. And I know that I have quite a sensitive stomach. And so this was really important to me. In the end, I really ended up loving the Noon Hydration powders as well as the Pro Bar Bolt gummies. So this was just very specific to me. And although I did bring these on my race day, the race organizers actually were handing out Gatorade gels and electrolyte drinks. And I hadn't tried them before, but I'm going to tell you that I was feeling so dead at so many points of the marathon that the Gatorade gels really actually helped me quite a bit. So yeah, my actual marathon and what that experience was like. Um, let me start by saying, and I don't think I've ever said this out loud on the podcast, is that I actually signed up for the marathon that I did run two days prior. The one that I had previously signed up for got canceled, and I honestly was so overtraining. I had been training for much longer than the 16-week period, and I genuinely just got out on Google, and I found one in Oregon, and so I drove with my parents, and we literally got there super late the night before, and it was a seven-hour drive from where I am in Washington to where the race was. I didn't really have a chance to have like a proper pre-race meal. My pre-race meal was actually a chipotle rice bowl with veggies, and so honestly just did not get to prep very well, but in the end, I just was so keen to run a dang marathon, and so we got there super late, went straight to bed, and then I woke up early and had some mediocre hotel coffee along with my typical rice cake with almond butter and banana is usually my go-to before I'm doing a long run. Then we drove there and got there about an hour early and I saw all the other runners. We were keeping our distance because we were still practicing social distancing and I probably went to the bathroom about three times before we started because I didn't know how long I was going to be running and I don't know how this just never clicked with me. It was very clearly imprinted on the website and we were at the Deschutes National Forest and I genuinely just didn't know that I was about to run a trail marathon. I didn't know what a trail marathon was until I ran it. So already two things off the bat. I signed up for this marathon two days before and then I didn't know it was a trail marathon. And so we start this run and it is just straight uphill for the first, I think, three or four miles. And I genuinely remember at mile three, I was ready to throw in the towel. But oddly enough, what was really helping me in the beginning was as I went and ticked off each mile and I was listening to the Strava app in my head tell me mile one, mile two, mile three and my time and whatever, I just kept telling myself, okay, 25 miles, 24 miles, 23 miles. And even though that was still a really daunting number, I think because I knew that I had run those amounts of miles before, I knew that I could do it. So in total, I ran 26.2 miles at 5,633 feet of elevation. During those 26 miles, we gained 2,464 feet of elevation. I genuinely think that 
that 75% of this run was just hills. And we ran through sand at many points. But overall, I was 50th out of 134 men and women, and then 15th out of 55 women. In terms of immediate post-marathon feelings and emotions, um, first was ouch, just because of the burns from my hydration backpack, like I had mentioned, and just obviously feet were hurting like no other, legs were sore, and I went back to the hotel with my parents and had a really nice bath. I then spent about the next two hours just laying in the hotel bed, just in peace, quiet, and eating the bagel from the goodie bag that I had gotten from my marathon. I think it was quite odd because I was actually experiencing quite a lot of nausea after my marathon, but I think that had a lot to do with the fact that I was just consuming all of these Gatorade gels that I had never really tried out before, and then I was mixing that with the powders and the gummies that I was already eating. Um, and so I think maybe my stomach was just not feeling very good, but I think also your body's not really used to running 26 miles in one go, so maybe that might be it. But I think after a while and lots of much-needed carbs, I was feeling okay. In terms of recovery periods and training plans, that kind of varies depending on how long you feel that your body needs a break. I think this is really dependent on how you listen to your body and really see out if you have any injuries from the marathon or if you have prolonged soreness. I, after about three or four days, was feeling okay. And so then I began my recovery training. And this was just a very low intensity kind of short runs here and there for about a month's time. And so I think it's really important that in the recovery period, you really listen to your body and try and do what it's needing you to do. And so some people need longer amounts of time to rest. Um, sometimes people recover a lot quicker than they think that they can. And so I think it's just really important to really pay attention to what your body's asking you to do in terms of rest. So now we will get into the Q&A portion of the episode. And I will keep this short just because I do realize that this is quite a long episode. But but the first question that I got was around running shoes recommendations and how often you should be replacing your running shoes. And so like I mentioned before, I really do think that you should go to a like specialized running shoe store and have them fit you properly, whether they're able to analyze you from running on a treadmill machine or if they can just kind of watch you walk or run and kind of see how your feet hit the ground. It's really going to help them help you find a shoe that will best support you. And so the first shoes that I got fitted with were actually the Brooks Revel 3 and I went through quite a few pairs of those. At this point, I am wearing the Salcone Guide 13s and I don't even know if I'm saying that right, but I, again, got these fitted and basically told this guy that I was going to be running for longer distances and so that is the reason that I got these shoes that were definitely more supportive than my Brooks. But as you've probably now put together, the irony was I ended up running a full trail marathon and so they were the complete wrong shoes and definitely will have to keep that in mind for next time. In terms of how often you should be replacing your running shoes, I'm pretty sure that it is around 300 to 500 miles. I was really bad about this for quite a long time, especially in college, which was okay because I wasn't running as much, but especially when you start to increase your mileage, make sure that you are taking proper care of your shoes and your feet and joints and just kind of switching out your shoes every 300 to 500 miles because you do want to keep that consistent support just for your joints and so that you can continue to run for longer amounts of time, especially going into the future and getting older. The last question that I'll answer is how do you go from hating running to tolerating it? 
And I think that this is basically what I started with is that I, there was a time where I hated running and I think it is really hard to kind of want to get into something without having that passion. Like I said, I think it's really important to start small and not kind of jump the gun. So starting out with like two mile runs and three mile runs are really good starts where you can kind of feel out what your running style is, if you like to run on the roads, if you like to run on trails. And like I said, music is such a big part of running for me. I think if I ever forgot my headphones on a run, I don't know how that run would go. And so I think figuring out what sort of music gets you really amped up can be really great to kind of run to and run to the beat to. And last but not least, make sure that you are setting the right intentions. And so make sure that this is not a punishment. Make sure that you're not forcing yourself to do this. I know that there are days where you just really do need to work out, but I feel like in the end, if you don't truly develop that love for running or just really learn to enjoy your running, you will never understand or have the true appreciation for it, I guess. I think that quite a lot of people hate running at the moment because they find it to be quite the mental challenge and physical challenge, but I think more so overall, it is such a mental challenge. But like I've said numerous times in this episode, it really just is you standing in the way between running more and achieving more. I also definitely want to acknowledge that COVID is not making it easier, especially for people that prefer to run on treadmill meals in gyms, but I really do want to challenge you to try and take the time to try and see what aspects of running that you really hate. Try and change that relationship and really try and overcome those mental and physical barriers because like I've said, running can be so rewarding, but only if you truly allow it to. All right, everyone, that's going to wrap up another episode of the Resiliency and Running podcast. I really do hope that you enjoyed it. And if you connected with it in some way, or if you have any questions or comments, feel free to reach out to me on the podcast Instagram. It's at Resiliency and Running, or I am at Liz Newcomer on Instagram and Twitter. But I hope that you really enjoyed it, and I hope to see you in the next one. Bye.